Good morning, my name is Pastor Danny Deeth and I welcome you to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. It is summer in Columbus, Georgia and we are doing some things in new and different ways and we encourage you to hold true for your faith as well. Let's seek God in some new and different ways. We can do this together. We're glad you're here, come on in. Our first lesson today is taken from the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth takes his name. I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by power at the work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is taken from John 6, verses 1 through 21. It's a nice little chunk of Scripture. And it's great because it's two miracles back to back. We know this pretty well. But I invite you to open your hearts and minds and listen again with fresh ears. John 6, 1 through 21. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has... Five barley loaves and two fish? But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now, there was a great deal of grass in the place. So they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, fish as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. 
So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. All of this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So a priest and a pastor don't go into a bar but they are standing on the side of a road near a bend in the road, and they each have a sign. The priest has a sign that says, the end is near. The pastor has a sign that says, turn around, it's not too late. Well, here comes the hot dogging teenager. Says, you idiots. He's shaking his fist. Guns his car, speeds out right in front of him. But not too long, they hear screeching of brakes and a splash. The priest turns to the pastor and says, maybe we should have changed our signs from the end is near and turn around, it's not too late, to the bridge is out. They were just trying to be helpful. That's all. How we communicate the message of our faith and especially to Jesus Christ and who he is and who he came to be is at the center of what John is trying to do in this amazing chapter. We have two miracle stories. I'm going to try to do this from a bird's eye view. We could spend several weeks on each one of them, but they are stories that we know. First, the feeding of the 5,000, as Vicki has already lifted up. Jesus on the mountainside with his disciples, and they came to him. They found him. And when he saw them, he had concern for them. And Jesus asked Philip, Philip and Andrew were the two disciples in this first miracle. What what are we going to do? How do we feed all these people? And that's 5,000 men. There were thousands more with women and children. Seven, eight, nine, 10,000 gathered. That's a lot of people. They're all out there. They're remote in a remote setting. Plenty of grass, but that's not going to do much for you. 
And Jesus says, have them sit down. Almost dovetails to last week's sermon about Jesus taking time not only to heal the people that he saw before him, he saw them not as a problem, but as people who needed his help, but also as taking time to spend time with God and get away from the hustle and bustle and making time to be with God that we can be fed and we can grow. Tell them to sit down. And they did. They all sat down. And so the interchange, the dialogue continues first with Philip responding to Jesus's question, where are we, how are we going to feed these people? And then we get two kind of whiny responses. I don't know. We don't want to take a year's worth of wages for everybody just to have a little bit, Jesus. Why did you ask me that? And then Andrew perks up and says, well, I don't know, there's a kid over here with some barley loaves and some fish. But what's that going to do among so many? And Jesus takes it as we know. After they have been seated in the grass, feeds them. Somehow, some way. A miracle. A true blue spectacle, a miracle in you. Who's that, anybody? It's Barry Manilow, thank you. A true blue spectacle, a true miracle. Yes, it could have the stone soup kind of feel where everybody felt moved because... But I think it was a miracle from God. I think we don't have to try to explain it in a way that makes God more manipulative and pushes us in a shameful fashion. You people ought to feel guilty and horrible about yourselves. Look at this little boy who has nothing. He has the traveling food of the poor barley loaves, not even wheat loaves, barley. That was the lowest on the bread totem pole. And a little bit of fish. He shared it. Why can't you? I think God more than manipulates here. I think God creates a miracle through Christ. And they all were fed as much as they wanted, not just a little bit. It says as much as they all wanted. I remember youth group growing up, going to church. A lot of times... My, my church was small that I was at this point in my journey in, and I knew when I went for youth group or knew when I went to church food, to get church food to a church meal, you didn't necessarily get as much as you wanted. But that was that kind of, I'll take my, there's more people coming, there's some ahead of me, I'll, I'll take, I'll be fed, I'll have enough, but as much as I want, take that whole tray of mac and cheese and just walk out the door with it. As much as they wanted, so much so, after everyone was fed, how many baskets? Twelve. Twelve baskets. Just to show, again, if everybody had given a little bit, there may be a, had enough for everybody, but twelve full baskets? No. This is the gospel's 
relating the nature and character of God through Christ. Being with those in need. Reaching out to be with those that Jesus can feed spiritually and physically. This is the character of a God who gives us everything we need and more. A God of abundance. We often hear that related to this particular miracle. So much so, God has huge, 12 huge baskets left over. Just in case you thought this wasn't a miracle. Then we shift. In the last few weeks, we're going and coming across the Sea of Galilee, different places, Capernaum. This is where Jesus, again, starts his ministry up north before he comes further south around Jerusalem. So he's crossing. The the disciples go on ahead of him. Because Jesus has gone off to pray by himself. Why? Because they were going to take him by force and make him king. What? That's weird. Why do you take somebody by force and then make them your king? They were so impressed with what they had seen and experienced. And Jesus says, I don't have time for this foolishness. Snuck away to be with God and spend some time. And that's when the disciples say, we're going to go on, Jesus. We'll catch up with you later. So they go, and this is not the story of Peter in Jesus, where Peter tries to step out of the boat, this is a little different, but similar surroundings in the context. They get a couple miles out, and the wind starts to blow, and the waves start to toss in their boat. They become frightened, and even more frightened, when they see a shadowy figure looming in the distance. Other passages talk about them thinking that this is a ghost. But we know it's not. We know it's Jesus, but they don't know that it's Jesus. They were terrified. Now they're about to overturn. They're in this storm that could drown all of them, and somebody or something is out there floating as they see it from their perspective. Several levels of fear, possibility of death, not understanding what they are looking at until Jesus says, it is I, do not be afraid. And immediately there's no other discourse, there's no other conversation, there's no other action. It says, this is I, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat reached the land to which they were going. So the the pieces of the second miracle story were the disciples being a little bit arrogant and said, we're going to go on ahead, we don't need you, Jesus. And they got themselves into trouble, maybe. Maybe. Should they have recognized Jesus earlier so they weren't so terrified? We would like to think so and say, yes, they should have, but we weren't there. It wasn't a clear, bright day. I don't know how far he was. 
But their issue at first was that they didn't recognize Jesus. And that prompted more fear. And as soon as Jesus said, it's me, don't worry, do not be afraid, that refrain again and again and again, when we hear angels appear, when God manifests God's self, often the first words are, do not fear. So immediately those disciples, after Jesus says, it's me, they go from fear to joy. Immediate fear to joy. They not only know what this entity is out here that they were afraid of and thought maybe a ghost, but then the sea calms down and Jesus is there. And immediately they were at the other side. Again, another part of that miracle story. Jesus heals and calms the wind and the waves after feeding the 5,000. Again, stories we know. So what about these miracles speaks to us today, 2021 in Columbus, Georgia? There's still so much good stuff in here that God continues to speak to us about. Number one, sermon title is Seeing Isn't Believing. You could put necessarily sermon uh, uh, seeing isn't necessarily believing because all those people say up eight to 10,000 were with Jesus and saw the miracle. Did they believe in him or did they just see that miracle? Maybe some of both. The disciples, when they are in the boat, when Jesus says, it is I, and they invited him into the boat, it's a verb, a Greek verb that John uses again and again that also means to receive, lambanine, which he means that they saw him and they believed in him. And that's our first takeaway from this. I think so often we see or understand miracles in the world, but that doesn't lead us to belief. We're afraid that if there's some kind of scientific explanation, then God wasn't involved. Or if we can figure it out, then God wasn't involved. Or, well, maybe that wasn't too miraculous. We do that little dance so that we don't have to be in awe and wonder of a miraculous and wondrous God. We think we may not have preached, I haven't seen a miracle, I don't know what you're talking about. But I think every day the world is filled with miracles. And if we see them, just as here, the purpose wasn't for Jesus to do a magic show. It was to start to show people that there was something different going on here, a power that cannot be understood. And this is someone worthy of our faith and belief. But again, those are often two pieces. The disciples could have seen Jesus in the boat and said, oh yeah, come, come on in. Well, I'm not too sure. Maybe, maybe there was some kind of surfboard out there. Maybe he was riding a shark or a, a whale or something. There's some scientific explanation. And so we'll just, we'll just our jury's out and we're going to wait and see him do some more things and then we'll decide. Nope. 
They saw and they had seen enough. And for them, this is the second miracle right in a row. But we have become so cynical, we have become so fact-knowledge-based in the sense that we do not believe what we do not see, and yet even when we see, we do not believe. Because often that means response for us. Often that means we can't deny that God exists, that somehow Christ is real and that Holy Spirit is with us and fills us and surrounds us. Because it's easier to say, I will stay in my head and continue to weigh the pros and the cons and try to figure this out in a, in a very intellectual Presbyterian way, rather than to say, I've just been a part of a miracle, or I've seen it, or I heard about this, or a friend of mine experienced this, or somebody in my family, or I saw a story. How else do you explain this? Miracles are but one piece. And we are called to see and believe, or it renders all of that miraculous nil and void. So see with eyes of faith and believe, friends. When we see the miracles, when you feel God in your life, that is indeed a miracle. We're not going to get these kinds of miracles in the same way. Some might. But day to day, the fact that we have access to a God through prayer, that God is there when we ask, how is that not a miracle? When we celebrate the gifts that we are forgiven and called into a life of joy and service and grace and service to others, how is that not miraculous? Well, preacher, I need to, need to have that. It's a hypothetical hypothesis. It's a working question. Okay, good. Yes. But don't stay out and wait till you're one of those 5,000 because you already have been. The issue is more recognizing when God is in your life and believing when we see. Number two. A lot of John's gospel is about knowledge. John was writing in a time of Gnostics who, which is a Greek word, gnosis, G-N, for knowledge. And John was writing later than the other three gospels. Because they were looking at Jesus differently. Jesus wasn't the Messiah. He came to reveal God, but was not a Messiah. And the examples of light and dark are very Gnostic. And the idea of the body being bad, the flesh bad, spirit good, also Gnostic pieces. But John is saying it's, this isn't secret closed knowledge, as the Gnostics would say. Christ came so that all would have this knowledge. We are in a technology age. We have information at our fingertips in a way humankind never has. If you're like me, and I know you are, when you're watching TV, I am anti-commercial for the most part, which means that when I get to a commercial on one show, I'm watching another. If there's a commercial there, I'll go to a third. So we could be watching two to three things at one time. Family loves that, by the way. 
So we're watching something, we go to something else, and then that something else may have words across the bottom, may have things going on, could be watching a documentary on the Vietnam War, and then go back to Family Feud, and then go back to a movie. All of that, all the time. Our brains are filled with stuff, with knowledge. And yet, we are in an age of loneliness and despair and depression. We are in an age where although we are overwhelmed with facts and figures and information, how to process that and how to apply the things that we need to is a daily challenge. Whose knowledge is right? My people or your people? My facts are your facts. It's so hard, we know it. Here, John's knowledge is power. We know that phrase, knowledge is power. But for John, knowledge about Christ and belief in Christ is power to do what? To live your life as a disciple. To go and do something in response to the knowledge that we have from knowing that Christ is indeed Messiah and Savior. If we have the knowledge, it can paralyze us as all of this knowledge often does. We're just, knowledge becomes entertainment. Interesting trivia. I want to learn some more about that. And we sit there and it doesn't move us, although we're taking more in. In John, knowledge is for power, not paralysis. And once we know and understand, we are then to go and do because we've been empowered. The journey isn't supposed to be safe. We're not called to stay on the shore. The disciples, they got into that boat and they went across, but we know what they didn't. Christ is in our boat. As individuals and as church, we know we have to leave the safety of the shore to go and do what we've been called. If you remember the Disney movie Moana, 2010, the, the chief, the father, kept everybody on the shore. I'm going to make this brief. Because he was afraid of the sea, had bad experiences in the past. So they were all, kept them all contained, and the daughter wanted to go out into the sea and explore and be adventurous. Father said, no, 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 no. We're going to stay right here. And they started to die out because they would not be the people they knew they were. They had forgotten that they need to leave shore in order for them to grow and thrive. Hmm. Church, anyone? Eventually, the daughter does go with some help from friends, has her adventures and transforms that community, again, back to the people they were called to be. Church is very much like that boat. We are in it together, friends. Many churches are built as the hulls of boats as ceilings with that same imagery, that we are in the boat with Christ and we are called because we have been empowered because of what we know 
Our knowledge is infallible. We are humans. We don't get it all. We're not going to understand the whole huge cosmic scene. And once we realize that, then we can be open to God filling us and leading us. We know a lot of things, but we're never going to know everything. So don't let that be a precursor to your faith and walk with Christ. See and believe. And let your knowledge be power so that you act as a disciple in the world and care for others in Christ's name. Hallelujah. Amen.